Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Well, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about wading boots and waders. And we're going to talk about them in that order, because I want to make it very clear off the bat that I believe that wading boots should be your priority. Waders keep you dry. Wading boots keep you comfortable and safe. And I'm saying that as a guy in my mid-30s, and I'm saying that as... Uh, learning that lesson um, well before a time where my body really needed um, really good boots. Um, just basic upon some of the fishing I was doing, the terrain I was using, I quickly realized that canvas bodied boots with simple felt soles weren't going to cut it if I wanted to fish safely and hike effectively and feel good after a day of fishing. And this is something I learned, if not in my teens, then definitely in my 20s. So, wading boots. And I'm actually going to start with a caveat. I'm recording this the first week of summer, which means that a lot of folks are probably wet wading. So they're not putting on waders to go fly fishing. Um, they're putting on sandals. They're putting on old tennis shoes. And honestly, if that is working for you, then go for it. But if you have noticed that you're slipping and you're sliding and you want something better, then by all means, go out and invest in a pair of wading shoes, wading sandals. A lot of the fly fishing companies that I think make great products put those out. Personally, I don't use them. Um, personally, I use kayaking shoes, um, and particularly by a brand called Astral, A-S-T-R-A-L. I have no formal relationship with them, but buying a pair of their kayaking shoes has been a breakthrough for me. After trying all sorts of different sandals and shoes with quote-unquote sticky rubber and even some wading shoes for fly fishing, the Astral kayaking shoes have the support, have the sticky rubber, they drain water, they're comfortable. I don't mind walking around with them all day with no socks on even. Love them. Can't say enough about them. I'll actually put uh, a review of a pair of those shoes in the show notes. Um, because, like I said, no uh, kickbacks from them um, yet. But uh, I, I love these shoes, and um, they accompany me in all my wet wading um, adventures. So I would say if you're wet wading a lot, um, and you're noticing you're not liking having the little pebbles in your, you know, between your toes, and you're sliding around on rocks, 
or you know maybe your your um, sandals are, are flopping off of you or things like that um, check out a pair of kayaking shoes because these are made for people who are um, doing more than just sitting in a boat um, they're having to get out they're having to move their kayak or their canoe and so it's a really great use for kayaking shoes is, is wet wading on um, uneven surfaces they also give you a lot of great feel um, the astrals and some other pairs of kayaking shoes I've tried on they really give you a good sensitivity um, so you know you're you're not clod hopping around on rocks okay so that's the caveat is wet waiting but then you move towards the boots kind of like my discussion about fly reels and fly line you know um, we said that you know obviously you want a good fly rod regardless if you're fishing for six inch brook trout or um, you know 60 you know pound fish whatever that might be you want a good fly rod because uh, if you can't get your fly to the fish then it doesn't matter what the rest of your tackle looks like but then beyond that especially in fresh water and I would say for trout more than anything else having a really nice reel is fun and if you can afford it or you can get one then go for it but if you only have $300 to spend um, you know I would say spend 100 bucks on fly line 200 bucks on a reel don't try to get the best reel you can get and then just get whatever fly line and I've said that you know on the podcast I've written about that I'd say the same thing holds true for waders and wading boots if you have X amount of dollars, buy the best wading boots you can buy and then get whatever f- waders you can you can afford. And like I led with, you know, waders keep you dry, wading boots keep you upright and keep you feeling good. So what do I like in a pair of wading boots? Well, first of all, let's talk about soles because that's the most, you know, the, the, the most common thing people think about. We'll get to what I believe is kind of more important stuff later. So soles. Um, if you're going to be fishing one place all the time, varied surfaces, um, then you can't beat felt. I'm, I am, I believe I'm eco-friendly and environmentally conscious, um, and I also want to say you want to abide by your local regulations. So if you're in one of the states that doesn't allow felt, then don't do felt. It's just that easy. But if you're fishing your home water the majority of the time, you know there's nothing wrong with felt. You can see that things have kind of eased back as far as um, people's you know cracking down on it, realizing that felt is a drop in the bucket as far as transferring um, you know invasive species and things like that. That being said, if it, you are convicted that you know you don't want to use felt, then don't use felt. Um, rubber soled um, shoes are great. They do have their drawbacks. I almost died on ice this year because of it. That's a little bit hyperbole, but you know what I mean. Um, but I like rubber soles, especially if you're moving a lot and you're not in the water. So for your hiking, you know, purposes, if you're you're walking in a long way, that's gonna be infinitely better in mud and um, and really all sorts of varied terrain, even wet grass. Uh, you know, your rubber is gonna do way better than felt. But of course, studs are going to make everything better, whether it be rubber or whether it be felt. Um, and again, I I, I do want to kind of come back to the issue of felt. You know. If that's something that you do feel strongly like this is going to hurt my stream, then don't do it. But again, I know a lot of people who fish the same stream all the time. And so if your local regulations allow it, then fish felt. And then if you do travel, then either have another pair of boots or, um, you know, clean your felt very well. But I think that's one of those things that, again, we're going to see um, we, we made felt soles the scapegoat. Um, and a lot of people ended up, um, you know, getting rid of boots or getting hurt using other uh, inferior soles for the conditions they were fishing. All right, I'm off that soapbox. 
So um, studs are going to be great. You you even up the ante and get um, you know bars. You get reinforced studs. You get kind of the grippy studs that have like prongs on them. Um, you use those. I've never felt like I've spooked fish because if you're in a stream that is so calm and so smooth that your the clicking of your um, studded boots on the rocks is scaring fish, then you're too close to the fish. It has nothing to do with your um, your the soles of your boots and the, the metal on the bottom of them. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Now, if could you make the case that there are circumstances where you can get, you know, you can spook fish because of your uh, your studded boots or, or anything like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's that, that situation, but I've been fishing studded boots um, for, for 20 years now, and um, I... I can't think of a time where it was the studs and not me uh, that scared the fish, if that makes sense. So that's your soles. Now, of course, there's convertible sole boots, and I I have to say I've been fishing Corkers boots for a few years now. Again, not uh, professionally affiliated with Corkers, but I love the Raptor boots that they um, came out with, uh, I guess, two years ago. But if you're not familiar with Corker's system, it is interchangeable soles. So I actually have a pair of felt soles, a pair of rubber soles, and a pair of really heavy-duty um, spike soles that I use when I'm fishing out in the ocean. So going from soles, though, um, and, and whether you have one pair of boots, two pairs of boots, or you have something that has options like that, or you know you have a pair of uh, spikes that you can just screw in or put on over the top, which... I'm not a huge fan of screw-in spikes. Um, if you're gonna taking them on and off all the time, um, I feel like you have to kind of commit one way or the other. Um, those soles of those rubber boots, rubber-soled boots, are durable, but you're gonna be um, wearing out some rubber soles and even just the um, the footbed of your boot if you're taking them on and off a lot. But hey, do what you want to do. Fly fishing companies happily will sell you more studs and more boots. So moving up from the soles, the next most important thing is um, support. So you know how this works for you in your hiking boots, in your running shoes, in your dress shoes. Don't treat wading boots any different. If anything, expect more of your wading boot. Think about how much money you're spending on them. Between 100 and 250 bucks, you want them to work for you. So personally, for me, ankle support is huge. Um, it's just always been something that I've struggled with. And so to find a pair of boots that I can really tighten up around my ankle that's going to have good lateral support, so side to side, and then also um, front to back has been really important to me. And so that's always something I look for in a boot. Now, if... Um, something with your arch is you know a huge priority or room in the toe box then try on boots go to fly shops make them work for you don't buy something you know off the shelf off the internet without trying it on and if you do don't feel bad about sending it back that 15 bucks shipping and handling expense that you have to pay is going to pay off in the long run when your feet feel good because if you know you I mean you know this if your feet feel good, your legs will feel good, your legs feel good, your back feels good, your back feels good, you feel good. And there's a very realistic um, scenario out there where once you hit a certain age, it doesn't matter how good of your gear you have, you're still going to feel rough at the end of the day. So don't exacerbate the situation by having inferior boots. So I would say support, 
whether that be your footbed or um, laterally within your foot or your ankle. Um, it needs to be priority number one um, once you've determined your uh, sole configuration. Then after that, I would say access. This is one that I'm not sure why fly fishing wading boot manufacturers don't pay more attention to but i've had i'm not i'm not a big guy my feet aren't big my ankles aren't big my calves aren't big and so consequently my um the booties on my waders aren't big and i struggle to wedge my feet into these boots sometimes the tongue is is super narrow i'm unable to put it in there i actually had a fly fishing company tell me once that i should bring a little um tube of uh like dish soap uh, with me fly fishing and lube up my feet before I put them in the wading boots. But that's ridiculous. I spent, you know, a couple hundred bucks on these. That's completely unnecessary. Um, and actually, I took those boots back. Um, actually, no, they're my, my backups that I, you know, let other people use. They, <laughs> my guests have to force their feet into their wading boots. I get to slide them in uh, to my corkers with comfort. But anyway, um, that's something that uh, I would I would definitely consider as you're trying boots on. It's one thing to do it with that little you know ankle high booty at the fly shop. It's another thing once you got all your gear on and you've got layers on to try to get your foot into the wading boot. Um, the next big thing I would say with wading boots is how are they built? Where are the seams? Are the seams super exposed? Because those shoes are going to take more of a beating than any other pair of shoes that you own. Um, I've blown out a couple of pair of wading boots. I've never blown out the stitching on a pair of hiking boots. Um, so I feel like just the way that you're using them. And for me, the way I wade, like um, I'll wedge my foot in between two rocks to kind of give me some stability in the river. You know, not unsafe, but just kind of, you know, I use the side of my boot to, to brace myself. And so I will, I'll blow out the stitching on the toe, I'll blow out the stitching on the ankle. Um, and then even, how do the laces go on? Are you able to cinch those laces up tight and lock them down to get a nice tight um, knot so that you're you're not having to retie your shoe? It's like tying your shoe's not fun during normal circumstances. Tying your wading boots for some reason um, is even less fun. Uh, if you like the BOA system, that's kind of the system that you might be familiar with from skis, uh, excuse me, ski boots. Um, you know, that's great. I had a pair of those and I love them. Um, they were actually attached to a pair of waders and the waders, um, blew out on me, um, just from a bad seam. So I don't fish those anymore, but I loved them. I thought they were great. I thought they were super quick and easy. They were easy to take off at the end of the day too, which, so if that's something you're, you have no ill will towards, you know, the BOA closure system, then go for it if everything else matches. But I would say if, if it's between a boot that you love with laces and a boot that you're okay with with a BOA closure system, definitely go with the laced boot um, just because it gives you that versatility of the other things that you like. So waiting boots. Uh, I'm a huge believer in good shoes in general. My running shoes, I, I will spend extra money on. My work shoes, my hiking boots, um, my flip flops. You know, I feel again, not very old, but if my feet feel good, I know I feel good. All right, wading boots, waders. Again, waders. Their purpose is to keep you dry. Everything else is really bells and whistles. That being said. The um, most important thing in my, this is this is me, you might have a different set of priorities. My top priority in a pair of waders is that they're form-fitting without being restricting once I have a couple of layers on. Now that might sound like a paradox or an oxymoron or something like that, but I want a pair of waders that's not baggy uh, when I am just in a pair of like liner pants. 
um, but also one that's not going to feel constricting once I have on a pair of, um, you know, thermal underwear and then, you know, heavy fleece pants. And I found it again, uh, you know, not, uh, not promoting, um, Orvis over another company, but the silver sonic waders, I love them because for me, for my build, for my height, um, they don't have a ton of sizes like some of the other manufacturers do, but for their silver sonic, um, waders, they fit me great. And, um, I'm able to wear just a pair of really lightweight pants in the, in the summer or in uh, warmer weather. And I don't feel like I have tons of fabric, um, and Gore-Tex, you know, hanging all around me. And in the wintertime, I can wear two or even three layers and not feel like I'm, um, you know, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. So for me, that's a big deal. And, and I think that's, that's important, you know, as you're moving through brush, you know, you're going to damage waders. And this is, again, my opinion, my experience, um, and f- both from wearing waders and also working in a fly shop and seeing the kind of repairs that come back. When you have waders that have extra excess material and they're creasing on you, those creases especially if they get sat on, they get pinched, um, they stay creased for a long time, uh, that's where your waders are going to fail. Um, those creases and those kind of uh, pointy edges that get rubbed up against things. And it might even be your waiting belt that does it. You might have a crease in your waders and your waiting belt rubs up against it. Or every time you take them off, they fold in the same way. Too much material is going to cause uh, problems. So I would say that regardless if that's a high priority for you or not regarding fit, I would I would say for, for durability and longevity, that should be a priority. Um, something else to think about is uh, features. Um, you, If there's things that matter to you, like the front zipper, I know guys because of mobility, because of their age and stage in life they need to use the restroom more than most and so to have that front waterproof zipper is worth those 50 or 75 bucks to to buy the waders that feature those awesome i i don't want to spend the money and i don't want more moving parts um I like having a waterproof pocket in the front so I can throw my cell phone and the keys there, um, not because I need my phone and I need my keys on me all the time, but just the way that I fish and the way that I move, I want those things somewhere safe, secure, and on me um, as soon as I put my waders on, before I even close my car up, I know where everything is. Um, I love my waders because they're convertible. I think, you know, hippers and, you know, waders that are just like waist level, they're fine, especially if you're a guide or you know exactly where you're fishing all the time. But for somebody who's fishing all over the place, fresh, salt, rivers, lakes, um, big creeks, small creeks, having chest waders that are convertible, either the way they're built, like the waders that I have, or you're able to just roll them down and strap them around um, your waist, you know, that's a great thing to have, especially when the weather gets warmer. Um, then, you know, again, I said this with the boots. With the waders, it's the same thing. Try them on. Some waders, especially um, companies that make a lot of different fly fishing products or companies that only um, do a couple of uh, series of waders, they might only have, you know, five, six, seven sizes of waders. You know, small, medium, large, you know, medium, tall, uh, you know, extra large, tall, and, and you know, a couple other ones. Um, other waiting comp- uh, waiter manufacturers have so many more sizes. So you might strike it, you know, good and find a less expensive pair that fits you great, or you might need to spend a little bit more to get money to get the ones that fit you well. And this is important, you know, try them on with just a t-shirt on, 
grab a waiting jacket um, or you know something in the store and put it on underneath your waders. I know you're not going to wear your waiting jacket underneath your waders, but try to simulate bulk because um, I had a pair of waders where I couldn't cinch the straps down tight enough once I just had a t-shirt on. So I was kind of, you know, a little bit loose in the front um, just because I didn't have, uh, you know, I couldn't cinch those waders down, the straps down enough because when I tried it on, I think I had on a fleece or something like that. I thought, okay, this will this will do. And even just those, those you know, a quarter of an inch is enough where it moves around a little bit on me. Not the worst thing in the world. Uh, but as far as how many layers of breathable fabric and how much Gore-Tex and reinforcement and stitching and all those things, if you fish really hard, those things are going to matter. But um, if you, um, it's 2019, you know, people aren't making junk anymore, at least by and large. The major fly fishing manufacturers aren't making junk anymore. And a lot of people stand by their product with a warranty. So I will, um, I'll say that, you know, that stuff matters. And if it matters to you, then go for it. I fit matters more to me because I feel like my waders will last longer if they fit better than if uh, they have more bells and whistles, but because they don't fit right, um, they kind of get worn harder, if that makes sense. Um, last but not least, waiting belt. Wear a waiting belt. Uh, I think I shared a story on the podcast about me falling in um, in a big tailwater down south, and the waiting belt, I'm not going to say it saved my life, but it certainly didn't hurt that I had a waiting belt on. But buy a waiting belt also because you can strap stuff to it. You can put a um, you know your water bottle on it. You can put your waiting staff on it. You can put your net on it. Um, it it but it, it it does a lot of things for um, inhibiting water from getting in if you were to fall, and essentially creating a de facto uh, life vest because you have some trapped air um, from your waist down to your feet. Uh, with that waiting belt on there, so it, it you know it's it's a worthwhile investment. Most waiter manufacturers throw one in there with you um, now, although a couple sell them with stretchy uh, ones, which are not helpful if you are uh, putting something on there. Uh, there's a pair of waiters I had that had a stretchy waiting belt, and as soon as I put my net on it, it just drooped and it wasn't safe because it was no longer functioning as a uh, belt constricting the uh, water w- that would come in if I were to fall. Um, oh, last thing. I didn't mention neoprene versus just straight up breathable. Uh, if you're going to fish tailwaters, if you're going to fish salmon steelhead all the time, if you're going to also duck hunt, then get a pair of neoprenes. But honestly, I love having the flexibility of not only being able to wear one nice pair of waders year-round, but also as you layer in breathable waders, that you, if, as long as you're using the, same, the, the right type of layers, you know, your polypropylene base liner and your fleece, um, you know, pants and whatnot, um, that moisture is going to leave while the heat stays in. Whereas if you have a pair of neoprene waders and you're moving a lot, then that heat has nowhere to go. And so you're going to start to um, sweat and then that's going to get cold. So if you're not going to move a lot, you know, again, and you're going to use them for duck hunting um, or you're just going to get out of your car, walk down to the steelhead run and stand still, then yeah, neoprene waders will probably give you a little bit more warmth. But if you're going to be moving around, definitely go with just breathable. So that's, that's some of my thoughts on waders and wading boots. Uh, not super timely because, again, it's the middle of summer, but uh, you never know what sales you might uh, you might find. If you have a favorite pair of wading boots, whether it be for wet wading or for traditional wading or waders, let me know what they are. I'm always interested to hear what people like to wear um, because, again, 
I mentioned a couple of brands that I like that I, I don't have a ton of allegiance to, but I love um, the current models of, of boots and waders I'm using, but you never know. Um, I might blow them out tomorrow and have to find something new, and so I'd love to hear what you all use. This week on Casting Across, I had uh, two articles, uh, as usual, one on Monday and one on Friday. Monday's article was called Fly Fishing That Shines in the Rain. And I talked about three things that I think happened to the fish when it started raining and three things that I did when it started raining. Um, just kind of common sense stuff, but at the same time, just things to think about. And really, you know, fish in the rain, especially if you don't have a ton of time to fish, don't let a little rain scare you. Um, in my uh, situation last week, it actually turned the fish uh, a little bit more active. My next article is called A Stuck Fly Rod and Things That Should Help. Actually, no, and Six Things That Should Help. So another list of six things. Um, you Google how to get a fly rod unstuck and you're going to get a bazillion answers. And that is not an, under, an overstatement. Um, but I have one of my bamboo fly rods that got stuck. I was out fishing and actually that, that day that it was raining. And so the humidity, I think, got to it and it just it's not coming apart. So I'm talking about some ways that, uh, to get it unstuck in that article um, that I think that have worked in the past that actually haven't worked this time. But you can read the article to find out what I mean by that. Today's recommendation is actually another Loon product. It is their UV kit. It combines two products, the UV Not Sense and the UV Waiter Repair, and it comes with a little UV light, little tiny one, the size of like a like a AA battery. Um, it's $32.95, so it might seem like a lot for two little tubes and a little flashlight, but um, it, it's awesome. And here's why: uh, the Waiter Repair dries within 10 seconds. Uh, so. I would advise if you get a little pinhole leak or a little tiny scratch um, on your waders, uh, you have this in your vest or in your sling pack or in your wader pocket, and you do the inside, let it dry, do the outside, let it dry using that flashlight. Again, it takes about 10 seconds. So you're going to spend more time taking your waders off than you are uh, fixing your waders using the uh, UV wader repair. And the knot sense is great for if you tie your own uh, leaders, especially if you're tying you know, salt or for carp or for, you know, toothy critters, things that run, having a knot that goes through your guides and doesn't get hung up um, is huge. Using the knot sense creates a nice smooth knot. It, it uh, takes those minute tag ends and really smooths it by creating a, a very gradual taper and transition. And again, you just use that uh, little UV light. So go to lunoutdoors.com. I'll throw a link in the show notes for this page. You can check that out. Thanks again for listening, guys. I do appreciate it. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with somebody that uh, you know is into fly fishing or you want to get into fly fishing. I also do appreciate the emails and the chirps on social media. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, at Casting Across, Twitter, at Casting Across, and uh, the Facebook page also, so you can stay up to date with everything going on on the website and the podcast. So thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. In Wild Country... 
rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.